Hello there, and welcome to Three PhDs in a Pod, episode five of six, close to the end now. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Josh. Heyo! And we're going to interview, oh, well, you already have interviewed, spoilers, for how this episode is. Uh, how this yeah, we record this beforehand, yeah. <laughs> Completely. We're, we're so prepared. We do the intro, then we interview the guest. No. Um, <laughs> but today we've got a guy called Sergio, who's um, actually a close friend of mine, but a very interesting man. Every time I speak to him, he reveals some new piece of information about his life. I genuinely <laughs> don't know how how he's fit so much in into his life when he's he's a similar age to us. Yeah, yeah. There's like I'm legitimately suspicious that the last piece of information he will give us is that he is in fact a spy. He um, is an eternal. Um, <laughs> and actually has lived forever. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, before we get on to that, how have you been doing, Josh, over the past week? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, still working on thesis, of course, the ever, the ever-present <laughs> thing True. in my life. Yeah, but um, no, I've not been doing good. I've been watching an excellent show on Netflix. Um, cool, what's that? Which is, uh, Ozark, are you familiar uh, with it? Yes, the one with Jason yeah. Bateman. The one with Jason Bateman, who is excellent in the show. Um, it's, a, it's a really great show. People should definitely watch it. But I'm on the third series now. And between the second and third series, there is an absolutely gaping plot hole. And I literally, I feel like I'm crazy when I watch the third series now, because no one's talking about this thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, when you get the sense that writers are legit, have legitimately forgotten what they've written in the previous series. Yeah. I'm having that, and it's driving me insane. But nonetheless, it's still a very good show, and people should watch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I've also been reading another Stephen King book. I've now Ooh, finished Foundation. Ah, uh, what's your Foundation? Foundation was excellent. I Get really, awesome. really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to read the other, the other entries in the series because there's for Foundation there's a is there's an initial trilogy, isn't there? Is there an initial trilogy? Um, yes. And then after that, there's like three other books which are oh, like their own. So yeah, so there's there's his Foundation trilogy, which was voted better than Lord of the Rings, like the yeah. best trilogy of all time by readers. Yeah. Um, and then there's I forget the name of it too. I've looked it up. Well there's there's basically he wrote iRobot and he wrote the Foundation trilogy and then he spent the rest of his life basically connecting those two in time. I see. I uh, see. so that all of the books basically all the books he wrote are connected in a timeline just across millions of years. Right. But it's a very interesting way to do things. Damn, it's insane thinking that someone could write that. Like that's just such what a mind it takes to write something that vast in scope mm. it's pretty incredible really um but no so i finished that i thought that was great um and i'm reading um a thriller like a detective a detective thriller that stephen king wrote a couple of years ago uh, called mr mercedes which is a really great book as well and yeah it's really really good it's sort of like a lot of thrillers i find they're very slow to start off with um but Stephen King makes up for that for having like great character moments and stuff like that. There's just always little things in his books that I just love to read. Um, yeah. I, so- I, yeah, I need to get around to reading The Shining. Yes, yes, you've. Is it is one? That's one of the things that's on your shelf, isn't it? It is. It's on my TBR. Yeah. Well, I only I I read The Shining about like three years ago. I want to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was really really fantastic. Um. But no. But now. Um. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. Uh. What have you been up to, Jack? Oh, well, um, as you know, as, as always, as you said, thesis writing has consumed most of my life. 
mm-hmm. but I've been. I got past Black Leopard, Red Wolf, the book uh, by Marlon, um, Marlon James, that kind of had consumed, had taken me far too long uh, to finish. And it's not that it's a bad book. I think it just it wasn't the book I was expecting. I was just so, I was just thinking like the use of the term "got past" rather than yeah, "finished." It's, 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 the problem is it's it's an overly negative term, and I don't really mean that because like. It took me three weeks to read the first half of the book, but then it took me three, d- three days to, write, to read the second half of the book. You wrote it as well. No. Yeah, I wrote it as well. I'm actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when well, you got past it, you had to finish it. Uh. <laughs> I didn't read it again. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so, so it, it, like, it took me a while to get, to get into the book, really. Three weeks and halfway through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just got it and I finished it in three days, as I said, and read it quite a lot. Is, so it incredibly, it, it, is it incredibly long, or was it just a very sort of fractured reading process? It, it is over 600 pages, so it's a decent, it's a hefty book. Yeah. But I think it was honestly just, I had been reading some quite light-hearted books beforehand, and uh-huh. took it from a light-hearted book to what is a very serious and kind of heavy book. Yeah. I think it was just the change, the change in pace made me read it a lot slower, mm-hmm. I think. I see. I see. Oh, yeah, but talking sucks. about Jason Bateman, I've also started watching Arrested Development. Have you? I have. Oh, have you never watched it before? No, never. Oh, wow. Yes, those first two series are really fantastic. Mm. Yeah, the first two. And um, When it moved to Netflix, I thought it really started going downhill quite quickly. Um, I've, I've heard that. The, the, the quality is different. Yeah, but... it's, it's very strange because... Like they have the same writing, they have the same writers and stuff like that. But in the third series, um, this cast that is like an ensemble cast in the first two series then gets split apart, mm. and you never see them interact, and it's such a strange thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's the first two series are really fantastic. I really like it. And Jason Bateman, I I love that guy so much. He's just such a great straight man in everything he's in. And he's the same in Ozark as well. He's just this sort of very calm, calculated person. Yeah, have you Uh, seen the film Game Night? Yeah, 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 I've seen that too. I think he's really great in that. Yeah, he is. He is. He's he's one of those people that can get away with playing the same character. Like very sort of, very similar, very similar characters, but you still like him anyway because he's just so good at what he does. Yeah, um, he's, he's the guy that you, you would hope to be in, I think, all those situations generally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, the logical, you know, calm one. Whereas everyone around him is typically very cartoonish, either cartoonishly evil, like in Ozark, or cartoonishly funny, like in Arrested Development. So he works in both those situations really yeah. well. Um, I agree. He's also, a director, he's also a director as well. Which is, yeah. yeah, he's directed a lot of Ozark, particularly. And I think he directed some episodes of Rested Development as well. Well, um, that kind of happens, doesn't it? If you're in a long term TV show, I know like um, Zach Braff in Scrubs started directing a few episodes. Mm-hmm. There's a show, Criminal Minds, and quite a few of the cast of that have gone into directing or producing the episodes. Yeah. Kind of a natural. If you're in something for so long, you get the feel for it and you want to move, like, yeah, progress you... in an environment that you're very familiar with. Yeah, especially if you, like, work with producers a lot. Like, if you work with those producers for months, like, you'll just end up sort of developing a rapport with them and then you'll end up directing something. Um, but yeah, I never saw any of Scrubs, just to say. You never. didn't see any Scrubs? I know, I've never watched Scrubs. I wa- no, I've watched, like, the first... I watched, like, the first three episodes when I was a kid and I just was not into it. Like, Scrubs, is, Scrubs is one of the defining TV shows of my childhood. Is it? Yeah. Uh, nah, not me. It was exactly what shaped... 
I think that show, I'm trying to think if there's any others, that show shaped the kind of shows that I enjoy most, okay. which are the comedy shows with an element of real, that, that element of real life sadness. Yeah. Because they feel, that that's basically how my life feels in that, you know, it's, it is mostly oh, no <laughs> no, no. In, in terms of you know it's, it's it's how you relate to your life i'd see my life my life as a generally a comedy in that yeah. even though bad things happen the main thing is being happy and being trying to see the joy in in mm-hmm. life in general mm-hmm. but then it's always undercut with those kind of sad moments yeah i think that show for me um was peep show peep show was that was that is that same show for me which is a lot more depressing um but it's sort of it it laughs at the depression, which I particularly particularly enjoy. Um, so you say like Peep Show and Mitchell and Webb were sort of like my very formative. Oh, Mitchell um, and Webb, yes. yeah, yeah. Mitchell and Webb are so good. Anyway, moving on to Sergio. Yes. Um, incredibly, incredibly interesting character. Lived many lives, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I I still don't know how he did, how he's done everything that he's done in his life. Yeah, I know. Given his age. Yeah. It's, so, it was insane to interview him as well. Where it's yeah, just he's just such a nice guy as well. He is, and it's just it's just one thing after another. Mm. And he's extremely humble when he talks about it as well, which is also like a great characteristic. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he I work with him in he's in my research group, so the feeling group, mm-hmm. and he's a joy to work with because he's one of those people where you always know where you stand with him, yes. and he's always very direct with, like, if you want something, he'll just say, "I want this to happen." Mm-hmm. but then he's very accommodating if you can't do it like he's not one of those people that expects it to be done right now he'll say i want this to happen and i'll go well i need this to happen and so you'll come to a conclusion a lot quicker than the kind of prevaricating that people sometimes do yeah well that's the thing when working in a team you gotta put all your cards on the table even in like little interactions so that you mm-hmm. can get the terms agreed and then you have clear communication on all fronts. Yeah, so one of the things I find is working with groups is the reason one of the reasons that's so useful is often quite often I find people want exactly the same thing and then you try and second guess what the other person wants and you end up both doing something you don't want to do. <laughs> I find that a lot. Yeah. And it also wastes time. It does. It's a huge time waster when you don't make your intentions clear or what you mm. want from each other clear. So it's it's just it may sometimes be uncomfortable to like have those conversations, but they're always worth it. Yeah. It's worth having those conversations. So yeah, don't hide anything from the people you're working with because it just will never get you anywhere. Um, <laughs> so it's so, nothing. Yeah. Tell them all of your secrets. All no, of but, it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Sergio, yeah. So just kind of go through briefly. Although we talk about it a lot, um, he has done. He, he he's trained as a medical professional. He has done an engineering qualification. He's done a master's in biomaterials. He's doing a PhD in the regenerative regenerative medicine CDT. More on that when we interview him. Uh, so it's basically a type of PhD. His career has spanned loads of things. He, he worked in a juicing bar in London for a short period of time. He's lived in America, Canada, Israel, Spain. He is... I don't, as I said, and I will say a million times, I don't understand how he's done so much in his short life, but he's an incredibly interesting person to interview. And I really hope you enjoy the interview. Yeah, 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 me too. It's it's, it's a really fantastic interview. So, Mm. 
Yeah, and you'll be surprised by every new topic that we broach. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is he is inexhaustible. Um, he really yeah. is. Yeah, I've known him for basically three years, I think, <laughs> and every time I speak to him, I learn something new. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. So, catch you next week for the last episode where we interview someone who is not from the University of Manchester. <gasps> Shock horror. Gasp. <laughs> and that was again another really interesting conversation but until then catch you later guys yeah see you guys bye Sergio thank you very much for coming on the podcast and for agreeing to talk to us today can you f- start by introducing yourself hello Jack yeah no worries so my name is Sergio I am a PhD student in Manchester in the University of Manchester um, I work towards a program in regenerative medicine which is basically joint efforts between uh, the physical and engineering faculty and the biological and health faculties here in the university so what we do is basically get together basic principles of materials, chemistry, and biology, uh, so that we can study how would be the future medical um, approaches to, to regeneration and how we can develop them. Why is it materials, chemistry, and biology? Can, why, why can't biology just do it by themselves? So this is the main concept of uh, regenerative medicine. We can study biology in two di- uh, 2D dimensions. We can have tons of data and tons of understanding on how cells, for example, would work in a, in, a, in a basic surface. But we know that our own body, our native uh, tissues, they are not flat, they are not 2D, they are 3D. Uh, that's why we need to engineer the new systems so that we can uh, we can understand how the biology work in those new 3D systems and we can uh, get better and more accurate information uh, so we can extract that information and be able to implant it and to translate it uh, into the into a clinical setting or into into therapies let's say Cool, very interesting. What stage of your PhD are you at? So it's a little bit complicated, to be honest, because a lot of things happen, a lot of things has, uh, has been changing, but I would say like I'm in the middle of my PhD. So it's a four-year, four-year-and-a-half program, and I am basically into my second year. I, I, I've just finished my second year, let's say. Um, so, yeah. That, that oh, would be the best the best answer description yeah so what's uh, you mentioned before a cdt so what, what's a cdt so uh cdt is a uk program basically uh in which they try to solve very important uh, scientific questions that are out there um they should uh, how can i say they should write us to the to a better future. So there are different schemes. Uh, some of them, they are focused on uh, green technologies, for example. Some of them, they are focused on regenerative medicine and biomaterials. Some of them, they are focused on artificial intelligence or nuclear powers, mm-hmm. uh, nuclear power, nuclear, uh, nuclear energy. Um, some of them, they are focused on 
um, social sciences to better understand how poverty is working and how we can solve it and tackle it. So it's, it's basically a, a joint program in which they invest a lot of money for us to try to solve critical questions that will need to be implemented in the near future. Cool. So how, how does it differ from a, in inverted commas, traditional PhD? So uh, as far as I know, because I'm not that sure, as in my country is a little bit different. As I said, I'm from Spain. So a traditional PhD, is, if I remember correctly, is a um, three-year program yep. in which you have been given um, a research proposal or a research question and you can you need to develop a research proposal or that research proposal has already been given to you and then you work towards it uh, without any prior um, basic grounds. Hmm. Uh, Acidity is a structure program, it's a structure, structure doctoral program in which they offer you um, for six months, something like that, a combination of different subjects uh, which may lay which should lay the grounds that you need to better understand the, the the topics the scientific topics that you are going to develop on your own research mm-hmm. and we level up the different people in those cohorts and also they are offering you the opportunity to do some placements very very short placements within different groups that you are going to choose uh, so that you can see how those groups work, see how the supervisory team of those group works, and see if you can actually fit in that group uh, in order to work, in order to, okay, to see so, how your future so you, place could be. You didn't know the specific project or who you'd be working with before when you started? No, this is the main point. So you, you join a program, then you work towards your thought component, which is always in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then when you finish that and you pass that thought component, which is basically like the thought component of a master's, yeah. uh, then they will give you a series of uh, projects uh, with different supervisors. And then you just read the descriptions, pick some projects, go and do the placements, see how it fits with you, see if you can fit within the group, and then you you can choose. So, how do you get multiple multiple placements with multiple supervisors, or do you just get the one and you see how it works with those? Uh, it, it it will vary. I cannot talk about all the CDT programs. I can only talk about the one I was and my own cohort. Right. So, uh, you could choose, I think, up to four projects in those lists. Mm-hmm to do the short placement. So it would be like kind of like one week or a couple of week placement. Mm-hmm. And then from those ones, you choose the one that you want. Right, okay. And then they will, they will accept you or not. I see, I see. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. It's, 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 it's interesting because it's very different. I know when I started my PhD, I went to my supervisor and I said, I would like to do a PhD with you. And he eventually said, yes, I agree, you are the right person for this. Um, and that's kind of a, a, a different way of going about doing a PhD. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, think, I think it's, um, 
it's different because the fact that, for example, to, to be able to apply in the UK for a PhD, you should have been living here for quite a long time mm -hmm. if you wanted to be funded by the UK. Uh, just applying to a normal PhD, I think it's more difficult. So yeah. it's easier to apply for a program PhD and than to a normal PhD, than to approaching someone and just say like, I like your project. Mm. Yeah. Let's chat and see if we match. Yeah. So, and I and you also get to have the sense of like how that supervisor works, whether it jives with you as well. So it also has that benefit as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very good. That's very interesting. So you mentioned that you're from Spain. Yeah. Um what is science like in Spain? Because you mentioned there were a couple of differences. You know, you, you said I can only speak for, for my work because you did, you did a degree down in Spain. So how is science considered in Spain? Is it similar to the UK? Uh, in what terms? <laughs> I suppose, because I, I suppose in, the, in this country, it's, I would say it's undervalued. I mean, scientists are treated with respect. People think they're intelligent um people think they are they don't know the truth no um <laughs> people, people respect the individuals but it's maybe undervalued as something that can be used to to make the country better okay so yeah this is a very political um question but yeah it's fine i'm happy with it <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that uh so science in spain is a little bit confusing right uh, after the financial crisis, crisis of on the 2008, uh, there were a lot of cuts, uh, more than, than you guys can imagine. Um, so we, we still value science a lot and more in these circumstances right now. We can see that a lot of people is coming together and, and working towards a, a good point. Of Scientific, course. medics, um, nurses, a lot of people. Um, but we are very, very, very low. Most scientists are in very, very low income. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of um, access to, to grants. So it's, it's hard for us. Hmm. And we require, we, we, we need a lot of requirements to get in a PhD position, for example. It's impossible okay. to get uh, towards a PhD position in Spain unless you are like, 25, 26 years old. Oh wow! You need to finish ah. your you need to finish your undergraduate degrees. They are very very long. Usually in Spain, you need to have a master's, and there is all the masters in science in Spain. They are at least two years. Mm. So it, it, it is a long process, and it how, is how it is very is, well. Sorry. Sorry, Hassan. How long is a typical undergraduate degree? Um, so if it's a technical undergraduate, it could be up to like five years mostly okay. uh taking into consideration that you do year by year mm -hmm. with no problems which yeah. is not the normal uh if it's uh, an undergraduate like medics it can take up to six years mm -hmm. and then you can do combined um courses and it can be seven eight years right so it depends i see i see wow. well it's a very long time yeah that is um, a, that's a big commitment Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you were so, saying, Sergio, sorry before I interrupted. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I was saying like, it, it is true that we are very well valued, but it is also true that we need to have more opportunities. We have very good universities, mm 
but the problem is that they are very underfunded because we don't so the the government doesn't put that much money on them uh, our tuition fees they are not as high as here in the uk so the universities doesn't have that much that much cash that they can invest in research and the the way the universities and the private sector works also is very different so they don't they have close relationships but it's not the same as what i can see here which they 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 form networks very well defined networks and they then go and jump together and, and try to to find a common a common route and a common place and a common point in the end in spain that is more difficult right. but things are changing so i okay. hope i hope for mm. the best yeah yeah of course Wow. But it's very much a, a, a money issue. There isn't enough money to do like your the universities are good and you are respected, but you need more money to do research. Yeah, it's not it's not about the quality of the people who is working towards it. It's not that we don't have good scientists. Hmm. It's that we have not we don't have enough enough money. So mm-hmm. most, yeah. I mean, a lot of very good scientists they are in incredibly good universities that is Pisoa is working in in the salt institute in the uk in the us for mm. example and he's very well very well known margarita salas was very very well known in biochemistry um, loads of them loads of them we are good we have talent it's not a problem with the talent it's a problem of the money and yeah. it's also a problem of how a lot of people in spain see uh, science, uh, you need to have, I mean, if you want to be a good scientist and if you want to produce a good, uh, a good work, a good job, uh, as a PhD, for example, you need to read a lot. That's yeah. for sure. And you need to read in English, mm. Spanish people and English language doesn't, doesn't really match that well sometimes, <laughs> most of the times. So yeah, we, the, 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 there is lots of things to improve, but as I said, uh, things are moving in the Good direction, and uh, I hope I hope it goes for it. It goes uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, all all I'd say on that is um, Spanish and Spanish and English. Your English is infinitely better than my Spanish. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, you. Um, yes. So, from talking about Spain in general, let's talk about you a little bit. So, when when did you decide that you want to do science? Why, why did you want to do science? Uh, well, um, I think that's tricky. Um, so before beginning the university, let's say a couple of years before beginning university, I wanted to become a lawyer. Okay. I had very good references in my family and I wanted to become a lawyer. And yeah, I don't know. So I was very decided to that. Uh, the year before I got in university, my father was almost dying. So he had a very bad heart attack. Hmm. And I, I was with him in the hospital. I was seeing how the doctors were working. Um, they allowed me to, to see their work within the operation room as a favor. And I begin to think differently. So I begin to think more into science and medicine and things like yeah. that. I was very lucky because I didn't uh, push myself before university 
on uh, humanities or social sciences. Yeah. So I keep it widely open and I did um, the same as you do for A-levels, which is a little bit different, uh, but I did everything on science and basic yeah. science and applied science. So I could basically apply for whatever I wanted to apply yeah. in university. So then in my, yeah, in the year before getting in the university, I totally changed my mind and I decided to go to science. <laughs> then uh, I pursue, because of that, I pursue both medical and technical uh, degrees. And then I was seeing how the future of medicine would be and how it was envisioned. And it was envisioned towards biomaterials, new cell therapies, new gene therapies. And I wanted to be part of that. So I decided to keep going and do a master's uh, focus on research. Hmm. And um, I moved to the UK uh, to do that. Oh, wow. So how come you moved to the UK? So I... I finished my undergrads uh, a little bit after the financial crisis. Okay. I was working a little bit. <laughs> I was working a little bit, but I didn't see myself in Spain for mm. more. So I decided to go out. I knew that I could speak English apart from other languages. So I decided to come to the UK. I had some support from my family and a couple of friends that were living in London. So I moved. I began to work in whatever i mean i was doing coffee doing juices paying my bills mm -hmm. and i was um helping people who knew what they were doing in terms of science and how uh how medicine will will keep on mm -hmm. uh then when i had enough money and enough stability i decided to move to manchester and uh, begin to study for the master okay so you you moved from spain to london yeah. worked until you had enough money and then did the masters yeah that's a very admirable route to take that's a it's, it's a big leap but it's, it's very impressive yeah. so after you did the masters um so you, you did the masters at manchester i'm assuming it was a, a fairly easy choice to then move on to do a phd uh, yeah well it was very good so i did a master here in biomaterials i met a lot of people who were working in the new therapies and uh, 3d printing by printing hydrogels stem cells and this this these uh, mm. subjects and after doing my research uh, part of the master i was very very into doing a phd in regenerative medicine biomaterials so okay. i tried I applied for a lot of more places than Manchester. I also applied uh, to America, in some places in America. I also applied in, in Spain and in Italy. Uh, and then I decided, I, I had some more offers, but I decided to stay in Manchester because, it's, to be honest, it's one of the top universities in the world for this, Yeah, what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, it was easy. It was easier. It was easy to take that decision. Uh, but it was not that easy to get in the PhD. So I finished the master. I keep working up in, for a company totally unrelated to this. And then I, I got in the PhD, yeah. Oh, wow. So was that, you, you worked for the unrelated company just so you could keep on trying to pursue this PhD? Yeah, exactly. So I, I knew that I needed to stay in the UK for a little bit more in order to be able to get the grant for the PhD. So I decided that when I finished the master, I applied for a company. I was working in management 
uh, here in, in Manchester for a global company. Uh, so with different, uh, which is working worldwide. Uh, so I was working in management um, for uh, the American um, American business part. And then when everything was done, and I, I, I applied for the PhD and I got in, and then I just just quit that job and begin the PhD. Fantastic. So how have you, uh, how have you found the PhD? It was very tricky, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, I was always very interested in hydrogels, uh, but I have to admit that chemistry is not my point. <laughs> I, I only did chemistry for a little, little bit in my first year of the university, and it was mostly biochemistry and a basic, basic concept of, on chemistry. So I, it was not my, my, my best point, my, my, my main point. Yeah. But it was good. I found this, um, this lab in which Jack is part of it. <laughs> and supervisor was Dr. Lee Fielding. Um, I have to say that the first time I got in the lab, I didn't even know uh, nothing. Not even <laughs> how to call, not even how to call the different... Um, the, 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 the different materials that you need to use for basic chemical reactions. Yeah, I, I, but I learned. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was going to say, are we going to are we going to bring up the uh, first time I took you into the lab? And I'm. I was very glad that you weren't you weren't aware of what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was good. It was good. I I learned. I end up learning, and it was fun. I had a lot of support uh, mm. from my um, my colleagues in the in the research group. Uh, still working on it to understand a lot of the things and a lot of the techniques and concepts. But yeah, I, I think it's just like reading and trying to understand it, it makes main points. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Just, did it, so did it feel like a very uh, different challenge compared to what you had experienced in your undergrad and your masters? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So basically on my undergrad, so I did undergrad in Spain. We don't, mainly in Spain, mm -hmm. and we don't do a lot of, uh, let's say, hands-on or lab sessions. Yeah. It's basically theoretical sessions. Uh, so then I did uh, the master's, and yeah, in the master's I could do a lot of uh, hands-on, but I was not developing new materials, so I wasn't using chemist. I was not using chemistry. Um, I had already a material, I was just printing it and working with the cells and see how it worked and things like that. Uh, in the master's, eh, sorry, in the, in the PhD, everything began like you need to develop a new material, choose for the best application <laughs> that you want, and then you need to characterize it and, and, and keep going on, on that. So it was basically beginning from scratch. And yeah, it was challenging, but it was also fun. Things work and things not work, uh, as always. Um, so it's like a roller coaster, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all of us. Yeah. You've got to learn to um, to accept the mistakes. Yeah, I I, I I keep trying to do that, but sometimes it's hard. <laughs> you, you are you are a perfectionist, Sergio. I know from from knowing you for a little while now. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like your things to work well. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's true. I suppose I suppose that's true for anyone. But uh, yeah, yeah, and everyone gets frustrated with things not working. It's yeah, completely course. normal. Yeah, <laughs> great. So, um, as well as the science, what do you enjoy doing outside of work? Um, well, um, I do go to the gym sometimes not mm-hmm. every day and it's not that i spend my life in the gym but i do i do like to swim and i do like to walk around the city this is something that i've already loved to do because when you walk around you discover new places you discover new things you meet new people you mm-hmm. talk you make new friends so this is what i do basically when money and time allows i love to travel yeah but it's not happening that much or that usually in the, in the, during the PhD, to be honest. Especially not at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what kind of places have you been? Uh, basically all around the, 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 the world, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I had the opportunity to travel quite a lot when I was young due to my parents' jobs. And I had the opportunity to travel because I, I was studying around both in America and in, 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 the, in Europe. So it was great. Uh, so if, if you had to give, a, I'm not going to say top three or anything, but it, where are some of the best places you've been? Well, I have to say like one of my favorite countries would be Canada uh, for the people, basically. Not the weather, but the people. <laughs> and... Uh, but I have to say that the quality of life that you have in Europe, you don't have anywhere else, in my opinion. Yeah. But most of them, the, the best adventures, you can find them in like Latin America or in Southeast Asia. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Making me very jealous. Make it, you're making me want to travel, Sergio. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely, yeah. yeah. No, completely. completely. It, opens, it opens up your mind a lot, yeah. travelling. So that's a big positive of it. Exposes you to a lot of different things, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it makes you... It, it pushes yourself in, in ways that you couldn't even imagine when you are very, very comfortably sat on your own couch. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because when I like when I travel, I don't like to go to fancy hotels. I basically do backpack. Mm. So, yeah. and if I need to sleep in a park or in the beach or whatever, I just sleep whatever. So. Yeah. Have you, Sergio? Have you ever seen the uh, TV show Race Across the World? No, no, never ever. You should search for it. It's basically it's um it's a very nice it's a very good show. The there's been two series. Uh, now and basically they pick two points in in the world i think the first series it was uh one of the points was shanghai and mm-hmm. the other point was somewhere else it, this this series it's mexico city to the most southern city in argentina okay uh, and the flight is something like 11 hours two thousand pounds or something mm-hmm. uh, per ticket and they give a set of four couples um i think in this series is mother and son Two, uh, two wife and husbands or girlfriend and boyfriend and one brother sister um, and one cousin uh, one cousin pairing and, and one they, cousin on his own one cousin <laughs> on his own yeah. and they, they, they give each of them £2,000 each um, and they have to cross from Mexico City to Argentina that same plane flight 
without flying just okay. effectively on foot with they can use you know site they can r- ride buses they can ride taxis uh, trams whatever um yeah but they have to cross there and it's it's it sounds like the kind of thing you might enjoy. I have yeah. to say, I have to say that in Spain, when I when I was in the during my undergrad, uh, there was a, a similar a similar TV show. So basically, you need to go from Europe to um, Singapore, no, to Singapore, to Beijing, mm. uh, with one euro per day. Wow. <laughs> And, that's uh, a little harder, I'd say. That is, that, to... is, that is much harder. <laughs> so it's you and, and a friend of yours. So you make a team and you have basically one euro per day and you need to arrive to Beijing. And uh, we, 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 we actually managed to, to get in the program, right? Yeah. Until, until the last phase. Oh. And when they were saying like, yeah, okay, you, 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 you are selected. Um, I said, like, but I, I mean, I, I treat this as a joke because basically I'm studying. I cannot take four <laughs> or five months out of my studies to go. So, I mean, it was fun, but I can't go. And they were, they were astonished, like, really? I was like, yeah, I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I have to spend time oh, wow. doing my, you know, doing, doing my degree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It uh, sounds yeah. like you're a um, you're a person who likes to step out of their comfort zone, Sergio. You like to like explore new things, and it seems to drive you in your life quite a bit. Yeah, I, I that's true. I have to say that thanks to my parents. Yeah, who, uh, we 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 were a I mean we were a good uh, family in good position, but they never allow me to have anything for granted, mm. and I took their word on that. So I fight and I go out of my comfort zone every day, basically. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like, during the PhD has been a lot of stepping up and going out of my comfort zone, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm proud of that. I think mm-hmm. it's one of, one of the best things that I, I have. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. That's very admirable. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Right. Well, um, I, that's been a really interesting conversation. Is there, is there any more questions you've got, Josh? Uh, no, I think I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty much it for me. Okay, so there's just one last question, which I like to ask to everyone. Um, and you've had some life, so I'm expecting a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you, so you are, your inevitable autobiography, book about your life, um, you're not going to write it yet, obviously. You've still got many years left. But if you had to think of the title now, what would you title your autobiography? A step forward in your own life. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> you thought of that very quickly as well. It's almost like you had it prepared. <laughs> no, no, no. Have no, no. you got a book deal? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, I, I bigged you up then, and you, you certainly delivered. Right, wow. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on, Sergio. Thank you. Thanks it. to you guys. No no you it, was, <laughs> it, was really, it was really great. Thank you. It was really great. Really yeah. Good conversation. So yeah, we'll um, catch you all later, uh, and catch all the listeners on the yeah. next podcast. Thank you very yeah. much. And You're nice. welcome.